Training for Ultra, Ultra Running Stories from the Middle of the Pack. My book is now available on Audible and iTunes, so feel free to check it out. Hi, this is Morgan Shogren, the running bum, and you're listening to Training for Ultra podcast. And that was a moment I, I can look back on now. And uh, that was one of my favorite moments, getting a foot massage by Hayden at mile 62. This is um, a fan of yours, and I'm just calling in to express my admiration. It's Dean Carnassus, the ultra marathon man. Hello, listeners. This is Chris Mako, and we are live. And you're listening to Training for Ultra podcast. This is Anna Mae Flynn, and I'm here talking to Training for Ultra podcast. Yeah, it's like really, I just need to catch up with Rob. 100 miles is not that far. I, I thought oh. it was a joke, actually. It, it is. I thought it was one of your jokes, yeah. It is a joke. Okay. <laughs> okay. So classic. Oh my god, you because literally thing would be like beep, beep, beep. Mother, mother, beep. Mother, mother, beep, beep. Mother, beep, mother, beep, 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 beep. One, two, one, two, three, four. <laughs> Training for Ultra Podcast. I'm Sally McRae, also known as Yellow Runner. Hey, this is Carl Meltzer, the Speed Goat, and I want to welcome everybody to the Training for Ultra Podcast. Hey, welcome to episode 112 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name is Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra. And we have a fun episode. We get to catch up with Morgan Shogren. She has been on a full episode prior, so definitely check that out if you haven't already. And then I have one ghost stories from the trails, uh, Halloween kind of 20-minute segment. Laurel, a friend of mine, is... uh, she was willing to share one of her stories from a race she was at. So it's kind of cool. Um, big thank you to the show sponsors, Hammer Nutrition, Sufferfest Beer, Exoskin, Ultimate Direction, and Destination Trail. Hammer, if you haven't already tried them out, feel free to use my promo code 252888 to save 15% off your first order. Sufferfest Beer is now available nationwide. Look for distribution near you on their website. Exoskin. Um, feel free again. I have a promo code there to save 20%, which is pretty generous. I love all their products. So definitely check out their website. Use the promo code, um, T the number four U 20 for 20% off. So just appreciate all the support of the podcast sponsors and definitely appreciate the Patreon supporters. It's slowly building and you get behind the scenes kind of I know you get the you are able to listen right now if you're a Patreon supporter to the Hayden Hawks charity episode. Um haven't uploaded it yet, but they'll get to hear my interview with Maggie Guterall. Um I have just a bunch of episodes coming up. We should have a Courtney DeWalter charity episode coming up here and just been really busy. Have a go far run shop kind of mini film festival today in Boulder. So excited for that. Big thank you to Rad, who's providing food. And yeah, I could probably spend the whole episode just thanking people, but I know I've made a post this week about thanking crew and pacers, and they're always behind the scenes. You know, they play such a big role in our sport, and I just, I feel like, you know, thanking them is, uh, it's important. So appreciate those four, Jen, Kyle, Ryan, and Matt, 
definitely made my Moab 240 and 401k experience just much more enjoyable. So let's talk to Laurel about her ghost story and then let's catch up after that with Morgan Shogren. It's a fun episode. Enjoy it. Don't forget to enjoy your training. guys my name is Laurel DeVore and I'm here chatting with Rob on training for ultra um, I'm an ultra runner and good friend of Rob's and live in Golden Colorado so I reached out on Instagram I wanted to see if anyone had ghost stories because it's honestly it's been like this is a third season of the podcast every year around November December I'm like crap I forgot to do the Halloween thing and I I've been wondering for years now if people out there have been trail running and had some kind of like ghost story because I don't know. Uh, it seems to be something that happens and it's close to Halloween. So Laurel, thanks for joining me. I know that was winded, long winded there. Um, let's not get to your ghost story yet. Let's just tease at it. Was it during a race? Where did you, where did you see this, uh, this ghost yeah so it was during a race it was during a 100 miler in uh, utah interesting interesting and so do you believe in ghosts or or is that like <laughs> um you seem very scared all of a sudden <laughs> i i say i do believe in them because they freak me out like just thinking about them uh yeah it makes me really freaked so I'd say I, I do. <laughs> yeah. So since I'm just becoming comfortable with this podcast at this point, I mean, I didn't necessarily believe in ghosts before. And then in college, after a long road trip, um, I came back to this apartment and the lights had been left on. And I was just, I was running in um, to get a hoodie for someone and I, yelled out loud i was like is anyone here is anyone here because i didn't want to walk in on someone like in the shower or whatever like all the lights were on um i didn't know that the apartment lights had been left on for like a month and everyone had left for winter break but yeah the third time i i go is anyone here a female who sounded very very much like a person goes i'm here and then all of a sudden I felt like an energy just kind of like run through my right shoulder. It was super weird. It took me like probably 10 seconds to recognize what the hell just happened. And I went into the room, grabbed the hoodie and ran out of that apartment. Um, so ever since having that experience and the person I was with said I looked like totally pale and freaked out when I got out there. <laughs> Um, ever since that experience, I've concluded that like, yeah, I guess I believe in ghosts and they seem like they're people just kind of in a different form because, uh, whatever happened was like toying with me. Like it was joking with me and it was very, very weird. So there's my ghost story. That's the only, only one I've had. Hopefully it's the last and only one I have, um, but yeah, it was totally unexpected because I was just going in to get a hoodie, you know? That's like totally freaky. <laughs> yeah. 
it pretty much ran right through me or something. I I was freaked out all night. Like I couldn't go to bed after that. I wasn't sleeping in that apartment. Um, it wasn't my. Apartment. Yeah, I wouldn't have been able to. <laughs> I don't think I slept over at that. I didn't. Yeah, no, I stayed away from that place. Um. So, did you have a ghost run through your right shoulder by any chance? I'm trying to relate to someone. No, I think. <laughs> I think the ghost running through your right shoulder was like your unique ghost experience. <laughs> I mean, I think yeah. I'm pretty sure she was hitting on me. That's the weirdest part of that story. <laughs> Her voice was very like, "I'm here," like, ah, creepy. Oh man, super creepy. And you can probably like still hear her voice, just like, uh, oh man. I have a Oof. pretty distinct memory of that. Yeah, there's not many times something runs through you, you know. No, no. <laughs> so where, what was this race again that you were doing? Um, so it was the Zion 100, uh, the 100 miler. There's 100K as well as 100 miler. Um, and yeah, so it was in 2017. So it's in April down there. Um, in, like, it was, it's near Zion National Park. It's kind of right outside. Interesting. Um, so... Just on a totally related note, and to tease away from you actually sharing, <laughs> um, <laughs> there you're not the only one to respond to the Instagram. There was another person who reached out. I won't give them, I won't give their name away. Um, but they reached out and wrote me. My husband and I were hiking in Zion. Walking single file down a trail, I turned around to look at him, and there was this guy walking so close behind him that I was surprised the dude wasn't stepping on my husband's heels. After a little while of this, I told my husband that we should step off the trail and just let this guy pass, and the guy was gone. There was nowhere for him to go. He just disappeared. I knew of a guy who fell off. Angel's Landing and died earlier this year, so I looked him up when we got home. I showed my husband the picture, and he said, Hey, that's the guy who was on the trail behind us earlier. He was wearing the same clothes and hat and everything. Ooh. Wow. That's kind of creepy. So, like, apparently Zion has a bunch of things going on. Is that the same area generally, or...? Yeah, definitely. Cause like, so I saw mine, it was just off of Grafton Mesa, which is kind of one of the big mesas. Um, yeah, right outside of science. So same, same area. I think my mind may have been, uh, just to tease a little bit, may have been from an older era than that guy, but, uh, we'll that, get that is super so. weird. So <laughs> yeah. that's, that's something that, yeah, you, I don't know. It doesn't really hit you until after, I guess. Like, was your mind, what mile were you on during the race? I was trying to figure that out. I think it was about mile 65. Yeah, it's probably right around 65, 70, that area. So, well, that's a sketchy point in a race. <laughs> but, like, where was. I mean, it's always sketchy. <laughs> where was your mind? Like, where had you just seen any kind of, like, scary movie or like were you in a good place because for me my my experience was 
that's like the last thing I was not, I was trying not to walk in on someone who just took a shower. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I was anticipating, um, a roommate in there, not, uh, not that it was so far removed that I know that it was externally driven. It wasn't my brain, like just producing something like, so where were you mentally at, at mile 65? Like, were you in a good place? Were you struggling? Had you just watched (laughs) Texas chainsaw massacre? Like, I mean, dude, it was mile 65. So So it was a massacre basically (laughs) going on. Um, no, I hadn't just watched anything. I think I had just, you know, I've been running for a a while, Mm -hmm. um, hours through a day of snow. It actually snowed that year. So it was snowing at the start and then super, super muddy and cold. And then it just like, it got dark and it was definitely pitch black when I saw it. Um, so like your mind kind of starts to play tricks on you, you know, like hallucinations and stuff. Um, and so that definitely, starting to happen i got a lot of responses on hallucinations honestly um which is it's kind of freaky honestly like i have so many yeah i could like i've seen so many weird things (laughs) so what did you see so i was coming around so you go you get off like you do some loops on this mason it's really pretty you're like up on this slick rock and do like three loops and then you come down i think it's three loops yeah and you come down off it and you're going on this just like double track dirt road over to virgin desert and they've changed the course since but that year it was like you go over there and you'd have these three loops at the end um in the desert before you went back to the finish and uh so i was like going from the mesa over to the desert and I was kind of behind a group of people, like not quite caught up to them. And so I just started running by myself and struggling a little bit to stay awake, but running okay. And I just kind of look up by this tree and it was so clear. It was like, it was like a woman dressed in like full colonial, like pilgrims is all I can like describe it as garb. And she didn't walk or like run. She like floated across the trail in front of me and just watched me as she went by. So her head was then, turned towards you? Yes, her head was like turned looking at me. Just like cold that stare. And what color? So I can barely talk about it. She's dress? Is she staring at Black you? Black dress. Oh. White apron. It almost sounds like, like something you'd be buried in. That's really weird. Ugh. So weird, right? And then as soon as she went across the trail and I like blinked, didn't see her. Like she was across the trail. She was gone. Then a black cat ran across the trail in front of you yes and so did did you like was it a real cat or was this also like kind of of that same like hologram ish oh, definitely was this was a like, real cat it was a hologramish thing no like i don't think it was real i think it was like it was the same like had the same kind of hologram type look to it Ooh. I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> That's creepy. Oh man, yeah. And like so freaky. And so the only good the great thing about it is it freaking freaked me out so bad that I like ran so hard to catch up to the group of people in front of me. And I was like, I'm going to stay with them because I cannot be like followed or looked at or seen by these things. So it 
helped my race a little bit. So where they crossed the yeah, that's that's ironic too. But um, and I I would have I would have been just like six minute pace and then totally blown up by mile seventy and been like that's okay I saw ghosts. Um, yep. <laughs> where they crossed was. Was it like a train track or like any kind of path or was this just totally like um, there was no path to go across there? There's no path, but there was a tree. So like most of the road is just like an open desert, like sagebrush and just you know not a lot of uh, not, not many trees, really. Weird. But then right where they went across the road or the trail was a tree. Was it a big tree? It started in the tree. Yeah, like relative. I mean, it was probably, I don't know, maybe like eight or ten feet tall. Like big relative to what's around it. Was it an old sense. tree? Was it like a hundred years old tree? Definitely gnarly. I mean, it was dark. So mm-hmm. like, and once I saw them, I freaked out. So I didn't investigate it fully. But I think it was it was definitely an old tree. It was like a gnarly looking, ever, you know, like a maybe a cedar or something, like an evergreen type tree. Um, and then, sorry, I'm just fascinated with this. So did the cat stop? <laughs> did it stop? Did you see it start or was it just like, did, did it have the creepy head and just stare at you too? Like, or did it just look yeah. like a real cat? Just like, no, like it was the same thing of like turned head at me as it went by. Like in the same exact spot that the woman turned, like, yes. it's just in replay over and over. Uh huh. It was oh like they were gosh. like in cahoots. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> like maybe the cat died with her. I don't know. You know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that much, but I think I mean, you can know. come. You can come back in like different forms and stuff. And I don't know. I it's weird. Maybe the listeners will know better than me. But um, maybe, but like the whole black cat thing, like. Yeah, what are the odds of that? I wonder if what's creepy to me is like you could have seen one that was real and then you could have hallucinated another that wasn't real. Like, and so you start going down this like tunnel of like what's real, what's a hallucination. And I I asked you, go ahead. No, I've done that. Like, at another hundred, I saw these, like, I was hallucinating, come to find out all these like rats just crawling all over the trail and yeah. then i saw a real one <laughs> that's what scared me at moab 240 last year awful. like i was hallucinating snakes all over and i was just like i know these are fake because they all look the same but i'm gonna get so i don't know to the point where i just step on a snake because i think it's a hallucination right, right. um which freaked real. me out <laughs> Um, but yeah, I asked Dean Carnassus, I think he was running Badwater where, um, he said he had a hallucination where a gold panner came up to him or something like that and asked him for water. And I was like, Dean, like, do you know if that was a hallucination or do you think that was a ghost? And he's like, you know what? Like, I never thought about it, but it could have been either. Cause it kind of makes sense that a gold panner out there without water would have died so um i don't know wow. it's a it's weird territory to like think about as trail runners like what's a hallucination i don't know especially when you start well, seeing, yeah. seeing weird things like a ghost 
Right. I mean, it is so weird. And it's like, what, what does hallucination even mean? You know, where's the line of, of what's real and what's mind not playing tricks or is there actually something there? Like if some things are so like this, like I like have this like emblazoned in my brain. Like I saw that for sure. And I've had a few other hallucinations like that. Some really funny and some like this that are creepy, but um, some of them, you know, you kind of see something and you blink, you're like, okay, that's not real. And you can like tell yourself right away. And mm-hmm. Some of them you just don't know. Did you hear anything? Because I think that's, I've talked to Catcher <laughs> and a few other people about this, but um, I think auditory hallucinations are freaky, but then a lot of people, like their only encounter with this stuff is auditory. So it, it again brings up that like, gray area um but did you hear anything um the only thing and again i don't know if this was actually just a coincidence with wind or actually with with the person and the cat but just like wind in that tree when it when they went across the road just wind kind of that like just at that exact time like there was no wind before or after just when you passed it right yeah that's super weird. <laughs> That's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, oh, I didn't see anything for my experience, which is good because I have a like basically a photographic memory for certain things, and that's something I don't want to remember forever. Like, but that I'm here thing still gives me the creeps. Totally. Like, and that's that's partly why I think ghosts and like haunted houses and any of this like freaks me out so bad because because i do remember like in pictures you know i have that same kind of photographic memory of things and so i just see them over and over same reason like i don't like to watch like really scary movies and stuff they just freak me out well i had fun thank you for sharing that um experience and not being afraid to talk about it because i know yeah, we're we're already labeled as crazies for running, I guess, this distance. So whatever. We can throw it out there. I mean, um, we might as well embrace it. <laughs> have you heard of any other stories? Because um, I got one or two other responses about people like they just felt like there's one guy that wrote and I, I apologize. I don't have their name, but he wrote like he runs this certain section and every time on the road he feels like someone is running with him and he like, he's convinced that someone like got hit by a car there or something because like it'll be early morning and he'll run. And it's just this one tiny little area where he, and he says it's not like scary or intimidating, but he just feels like someone's running with him for like this little tiny part, which I thought was like, that's crazy creepy and then um a gentleman from mexico said that he runs this area where i mean there is like like a bunch of nuns and i'm trying to remember the story he said but it was the same thing like he just sensed something like watching him and that sort of thing which i don't know there's i got a pretty good response i probably had 10 people reach out and we'll hear from nathan here soon who was my pacer for, I think, I don't know, 17 or 18 miles in Moab 240. He has 
one or two really good stories that he's experienced. Um, have you heard of anything else though, or is this, I don't know, this is a weird category within ultra running, <laughs> but it's yeah, 10 no, people heard- responding is a lot. I thought, <laughs> no, I think so. Um, I mean, I've heard a few, like in the past, not recently, I've heard a few people talk about like feeling at one point or another, like during an ultra that someone like close to them, they've lost, like is running with them. Oh, that's um, interesting. And that's huh. kind of a whole nother, like crazy feeling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've, I've heard that a few times. That's just sounds more like spiritual or something. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to yeah. remember. Almost a whole nother experience. I think I've heard stories about Oil Creek. Um, what is that? Pennsylvania, kind of Ohio-ish, Ohio-ish area. That like, mm-hmm. there's been some kind of freaky encounters there. Have you heard anything on that one? I have not. No, I'm glad I have because I probably wouldn't want to run there. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I apologize to the race <laughs> tractors who lose. <laughs> like Zion, Zion 100 goes down to like four entries. Yeah. Um, and now no one wants to run it except all the people who love haunted houses. And they're going to like, yeah. 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 It could actually sell out immediately. Like, um, it'll sell to certain people. They like, they have to reroute the course around that tree area. Cause no one will, right. no one will go there. Um, Rob said, <laughs> Hey, you're you're the one. Oh man, oh man. I'm trying to find one last little message that I got. It was very specifically um, talking about an area in California. I hope I can find it through this shitstorm of messages here. Um, sorry for the delay, and I don't edit, so you need to be the filler here. <laughs> oh, you're good, Rob. Well, you thoroughly like succeeded, and I probably won't sleep tonight. So, now that I'm talking about all this, so thank you for that. You're gonna have to reach out to your coach, be like, "Coach, bad night of sleep. We're gonna pass." Like, he's gonna be asking what happened. Rob's fault. That's funny. Be like, we were t- we were telling ghost stories too late into the night, and I couldn't sleep. Okay, here, someone just wrote. Okay. You should look in the history of Black Star Canyon in the Santa Ana Mountains of Orange County, California. There are multiple stories of paranormal activity out there. Um, and I told I told a friend Andrea Kluman that she should just go out go out there that night and uh, check it out for me. And she said it's creepy as f. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, Laurel, that was fun. Thank you for taking the time. And uh, let's stay in touch. And if you if you don't know who her coach is, I think there's a YouTube video that just got posted where you're in it. Um, it was a fun kind of uh, film night there. So thanks for taking part in the podcast and the YouTube kind of update there. Have a good night. Thanks for sharing your story. Absolutely. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, had a had a blast both uh, at the the film night and on the podcast. So, thanks.
I'm joined again by a friend of the show, Morgan Shogren. She's a fellow Sufferfest athlete and uh, just all around badass. Morgan, how have you been? Really good. Yeah, I've been hanging out in the desert and just enjoying life. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, have you released another book since we last talked? I am in the process of, I've released two books since we last talked. Two. Um, one is Outla- Outlandish, Feel Your Epic, which is a collection of adventure stories, really focused on trail running, of course, and the time I was living out of my Jeep, and then paired with um, down-to-earth recipes that came out of those experiences. So a lot of the recipes, you know, like came out of a gas station or a dumpster or from a mountain I was running on. Um, so it's, it's a fun kind of mix of just whimsical and fun stories. And then on November 1st, I'm releasing my second guidebook, which is the best Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument Hikes, which is also great for trail running. You've been busy. You've been really busy. Um, (laughs) So to start, I mean, how are you writing while living in this yellow Jeep that's become kind of your trademark? How, How does that work? Are you just on your laptop like... Do you go sit at a picnic bench or like, uh, what are the basic yeah. <laughs> logistics of writing a book while living in a Jeep? I think it comes, I think the two things about writing and living in a Jeep is that to really get things done, you have to be super adaptable and versatile. So there isn't necessarily one way. It's about being able to adapt the situation so I can get the writing done. So there's been times where, you know, I've gotten stuck at a campsite and I'm, it's, it's snowing and there's no way out, but I've got to get a certain amount of writing or editing done. So I'll turn on my Jeep and I have a, you know, an adapter where I can plug in my laptop inside and I'll, you know, keep the heater running and turn it on and off. And I'll, I kind of have a wooden platform next to my driver's seat and I can turn sideways and sit like it's a desk. Um, but I've also, you know, done picnic benches. I have camp chairs and I have a little fold out table on my back hatch so I can sit outside as a desk or go to a library. You know, it's just really like, okay, this is where I am. This is what the weather is. This is how I'm going to get it done today. So be honest after your fourth or fifth edit of your, your book, are you like so sick of the first five chapters? Are you like, (laughs) cause you know, the whole thing, like, I'm sorry, it's but insane. you have to read it so many times. It's like, but then the crazy thing is on the fifth round of edits, I still caught tiny things. It's like, there's always an absolutely, stuff. yeah, it's so tedious and boring and so necessary. I'm working through like a second edition and finding just like airs galore. Right? Yeah, it sucks. But all right, have you thought about, human, do- you know, <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. I mean, it does add that element to it and. If I waited until it was perfect, I don't know if I'd ever release a book. So yep. Exactly. It'll never be perfect. <laughs> There's no way. Have you thought about recording an audiobook? Yes. Um, so Atlantis is now on Kindle, so you can get an e version. And we my publishers and I have talked about doing an audiobook. It's interesting because there's recipes. Um, but even the intros to the recipes are kind of stories in themselves or the ingredients. Um, so it's it's not out yet, but it's definitely something I've I've considered because it would be fun for like road trips. I, I highly recommend it. I don't know if it's just people that listen to my podcast, but it's by far um my release on Audible has been 
like hands down the uh, the best selling platform. So I don't know if people are just so busy these days. They need something on the go, on their run, on their commute. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot that's of people. A yeah. That's a great idea. You know, I, I'm such a book fiend. Like I'm always reading like several books at once and I like the real thing. I like the paper. I like old books, vintage stuff, but I have downloaded a few things on audible because I was reading so many books at once. It was like humanly impossible to read, you know, five books at a time. So I would listen to like one, one of the books on my runs. Um, so (laughs) even if you're like a big reader, there's like a place for audible. Cause it was like, well, I can't sit in the couch and read anymore. So I'll read one book while I'm running one book in the car. (laughs) I mean, why not? Right. Yeah. So what, what are you reading right now? Just out of curiosity, like what does a Morgan Shogren, like what's (laughs) having you flip the page and, you know, get excited about what you're, you're reading? I am on the very last chapter of a book called The Rainbow Trail by Zane Gray, kind of a classic Western story about one of my favorite areas on the Navajo Reservation. Um, but I'm also reading a book about the San Juan Southern Paiute tribe, so more of like an uh, anthropology and like cultural history um, book, and then it's like some historic documents um, that are all kind of going to hopefully guide me on some of my next adventures and story projects. So I, I've been reading a lot of history lately. That's what I've been into. What are you finding most fascinating like about those books? Like, is it the people's lives? Is it the location through time? Like, what is it? You, you know, like the, the timelessness of the, the locations, especially around the Southwest, but then juxtaposed with like, whoa, they're describing a place that used to be a river and now there's a, there's a dam there. Um, so those contrasts, but then also just kind of the spirit of adventure and traveling through these landscapes and how um, even though, you know, it's like maybe a hundred years later, all the quirks and like hiccups and things you have to deal with like quicksand and flush floods and eating beans, um, they, nothing has changed, at least for me. And so that's like really endearing. It's like I have a lot in common with these explorers from like 100 years ago. So are you still living in your Jeep? Or has that changed at all since the last time we talked? I, I it has definitely changed. I So I, I did come into this year like pretty fully committed that I was going to spend a long stretch in my Jeep. So I spent like two and a half months living in some Utah canyons in the snow in my Jeep. Um, But last year I did buy myself a vintage trailer um, just so that I would have a place to go and write books and recover and keep my gear because, you know, I can't even sit up in the back of my Jeep. It's just not a realistic place to recover. Um, And then the the rest of the time I'm in Southwest, Southwest Colorado living with my boyfriend who I met while I was living in my Jeep in the canyons. So really, it's just a mix of all those things. Um, my life's pretty nomadic and fluid, and I have my little base camps um, and the Jeep sometimes, but not all the time anymore. That's just just not realistic. So, I mean, are you still off the grid quite a bit, or are you able to actually have, like, consistent internet? Because I remember our first call, it was like... <laughs> Let's time this out. Like, I need a place in time. Like, you literally drove for that interview. Um, yeah, that was... Which is cool, was, but was, <laughs> difficult. <laughs> yeah, I would say now it's it's way more of, like, maybe even, like, a 60-40 split because at my trailer in Arizona, I have internet. 
at my boyfriend's house. He has internet, but then when I'm out most of the time, it's, it's pretty spotty and, and I'm still out like more than half of the time. Uh, yeah, back then I was living in, you know, even when I had a roof over my head, it was completely off the grid and pretty remote, um, which was cool. And I sometimes that element of things of just being able to really shut out the world is nice, but my productivity is, is so much higher and I can stay in touch with my loved ones and friends easier. Like I'm definitely not one, you know, I'm not a big TV or technology person, but the internet does good things. I feel like this is your evolution in a sense. Like, <laughs> cause last time I talked to you, um, you were taking so much pleasure in just being remote and off the grid and now like in alone too, you were really mm-hmm. like savoring that. And it seems like this is kind of uh next iteration that you're experiencing. Uh, I mean, did being alone for that long make you now more thankful, you know, to spend time with your boyfriend and and family and communicate with all them or. Oh yeah. How's that changed since the, uh, the Jeep life? I, I am so grateful for the people in my circle who I love the most and who are part of my life. I also still really value my alone time and and take the time to still like immerse myself outside alone or pull up and write. But I think having like a balance, I mean, at one point it just kind of wasn't a choice. It was the circumstances. And then it became like, Oh, you know what? I just need to like shut everything out and just like kind of have time to figure out what's going on. And then it started to kind of become less of a, choice it was like well unless I make some changes I kind of am just out here alone and is that really how I want to spend my life and the answer was no like you know life is so beautiful when it's shared but you have to also be like good with yourself and so you know sometimes it's kind of like staggering to me like how much has changed and yet it's still not like it's not that crazy of a change um but just how good the balance is yeah how is I'm definitely not I couldn't be like inside all the time, you know, I'm not, I'm not like (laughs) like that, but you know, just learning, learning to normalize a little bit has been good. How, how has your writing changed since like, you know, getting a little bit more reconnected and then how's your running changed? So my writing has changed, um, mostly like I, I've been doing a lot more research-based stuff and kind of in investigative stories about um, either historic figures or more like elderly people who have played a big role in the Southwest and the landscape. Um, so I've gotten to do more like focused pieces where, you know, um, like one story I wrote this year took me like three months to do all the research and track down and like, you know, having the, time to be inside and nail down those details is pretty critical. I also spent a long chunk of that doing research outside. Um, as far as how's my running change, that's like a big evolution too. You know, I did some, I did three races earlier this year and they were actually kind of just bestowed upon me and I was, I was not in shape. I kind of took the winter off running. Um, and it was like, okay, well, do you want to run Boston marathon three weeks? Um, and, and after, <laughs> after doing those, and then a race in Patagonia and a race in Tahiti. And after doing that, I was, I was pretty wrecked and like going out to train for a race didn't inspire me the way that like heading out into a new Canyon with a history book and my notes and a map and exploring something got me like so psyched. And so I've really refocused and, you know, running is either like, 
you know, just a normal day-to-day stress relieving thing for me, or it's a big part of like my research and exploration for stories and adventures. You're living the dream. Oh man. <laughs> I, I do think so. <laughs> so how did Boston go? Was it okay it was, or what? I mean, uh, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't my slowest marathon cause I've run some on the trail, but I, I tell you what the two things I noticed, and this is a good thing I think for all trail runners to realize. Um, I mean, I don't really run on pavement ever. Um, I did in my past a little bit more. Um, so about six miles into the race, the pounding of the pavement absolutely destroyed my quads and my legs. And I know that's pretty common in Boston, but it was kind of another level um, just because I, I was really used to being on soft dirt all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're going to ever, you know, jump into a road race, it really might be worthwhile practicing on some asphalt. Um, yeah. And then it was just really humbling how hard it was for me to finish. You know, I had to like... I had to walk at times. My longest run had been 10 miles. That's the longest I'd run in like over half a year. And I did like one of them. And so I, I had to dig as deep as I probably do for like, you know, a, a top level race just to finish. Nice. Um, but That's but then crazy. It, was, it was cool to realize that it wasn't just, you know, oh, it, was, it was so hard, you know, and it was a lot longer than I would usually be out there. And, but it taught me that, you know, that even if you're not in shape, that part of you that digs deep for the good performance, that can that's still in you, and you can fight for that. And so it was cool to to use that, regardless of whether I got a shiny PR or a shiny PW. <laughs> I mean, I was <laughs> I was definitely um, watching your Instagram stories closely when you were flying out to Patagonia. Um, what race was that? that you ran because it was a shorter distance. There's kind of a notorious Patagonia race, I believe. Um, yeah, ultra... the Patagonia camp. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. It was the Patagonia camp cup and they had a, um, essentially a marathon and a 25 K and they had like a nine mile race as well. Um, and so, I went, um, actually for that trip, even though to run the race, I went as a writer with my friend, Monica, who's also a journalist and we were there to cover the race and write about it. And the interesting thing we learned on that trip is that you can't actually run on tour in Torres del Pine national park, um, on the Chilean Patagonia side. So the race is really cool because it allows there to be a running event with like, you know, the, the towers in view and the glacial lakes, but not in the national park. Um, and we, we did the 25 K together and just had fun. It was, it, I highly recommend it. It was really fun. There was lots of mud and river crossings and it snowed on us. And then it got sunny and it was just beautiful. And then afterwards they throw like a huge, like traditional Chilean, um, barbecue party with like wine they grow on their property. It was incredible. That's awesome. I, I remember talking to Jason Schlarb. He did a little bit longer race out in that area, and he said mm-hmm. the uh, river crossings were just ice cold, and that like yeah, it was freezing. <laughs> if you're not careful, you can like kill yourself out there, um, falling in some of the streams, and it's pretty wild. Was that your experience? It was pretty it wild. Terrain, was, like cold, and yeah, the terrain was definitely wild, and it was super challenging. Like, you, I mean, I can't even imagine. Thank goodness we were out there having fun. Because if you're really gun for it, like it would be a 
intense day. The good thing about this race for anyone who's like nervous about going out there is they had a lot of people on the course making sure everyone was safe. That's um, good. So I, I mean, it's just a classy event. Cool. And then you were off yeah. to somewhere tropical. Where was that again? So, so then like two days after I got back from Patagonia, I flew to Tahiti and then ran another race like two days later. Um, it was just the worst jet lag turnaround imaginable. Um, I, I ran a, God, it was like a 12K or like, yeah, like a 12K trail race on the island of Morea. So up like steep volcanic jungle terrain, super slippery. They had to have fixed ropes. Um, people were super competitive and pushing and nobody spoke English. It was all in, you know, all French. And I speak Spanish, so Patagonia was fine, but it was a little bit of a culture shock experience to just be in such a humid, slippery, steep, kind of fierce, competitive environment so quickly after a, a fun run with wine in Patagonia. Well, I, I felt horrible for you drinking, I don't know, I think you were drinking out of coconuts on the on the ocean. I, I can't <laughs> remember. I think I see a picture in my head. You were drinking out of a coconut, right? So, oh, yeah. <laughs> something tropical. Um. And so just focusing in on your running, are you beginning to ramp training? Like, are you feeling stoked to do that again? Or are you more excited, to, you know, to continue this research and, and and go down that front? I think definitely more of the exploratory adventures and research projects. I have like, I have some other ones coming up and um, I think, in the coming year, there's a few that I really want to bring to light that will take be a little more involved and take some planning. Um, but I have been, you know, I haven't really trained in a, in a while on like a fixed schedule. It's been almost two years now. And I've been, I've been training since I was nine years old. And I can't tell you, sometimes it's weird. I'm like, whoa, like I'm not training. But it's such a relief to like wake up when I want to run. I can focus on other areas of my life. You know, training's not the focal point of my day and yeah I still find the time to run because I love it and I enjoy it um, and so there's just so much more freedom and that's really my personality I've never been one to like thrive on a super fixed schedule and so the time away has helped me realize like that I my running really can thrive in a different setting whether that's going to ever translate again to like racing I don't know but I wouldn't discount it um, because I do love running and racing and Lately, I've been getting a little more motivated for just more consistent, like solid runs and picking up the pace, but nothing structured. I don't even wear a watch. <laughs> I like I um, like it. I mean, it's it's been really good for me. And I definitely I think there's this like thing about running where most people just assume they have to have a schedule. And there's things I know, like if I push myself one day, I take the next day off or I take it easy so I don't get hurt. But just, you know, being able to go with the flow has been, I can just actually love running. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're an amazing person. Like, I really think it's cool how you've combined um, the athlete side of things with like an art, artistic side. And yeah, your work definitely is, is amazing. Um, I always enjoy it. You write for Trail Runner Magazine still here and there? Trying to remember all I the do. magazines, yeah. right? Don't don't you write for quite a few of them? Yeah, you know, and th and that's sh 
shifted as well. Um, you know, I definitely, when I started my writing career, was really focused on trail running um, and some other adventures. But now I've expanded to I have a story in Arizona highways right now um, and also archaeology southwest. And so it's been, it's been nice to kind of broaden my scope to more lifestyle and culture and arts publications as well. Um, and, and that's been really an enjoyable thing for me to really, yeah, just, just push myself and it, you know, it's such a, it kind of is a transition period for me. And yet at the core of it, like I still love running and I, I love to write about running and I often like sneak it into stories that are supposed to be about, you know, history or, um, the, the landscape. So talking about hydration and nutrition during, uh, anthropological study. <laughs> um, that, that can be cool. Actually, that's a cool idea. <laughs> um, so what is, what's like the nerdiest thing you've connected um, from like all these different cultures you've studied to endurance sports? So like, have you made some kind of like, like one or two connections either through history or like cultural things that you find just fascinating that are you know, applicable to endurance sports? Yeah. So one of the recent things I was working on is I kept seeing this man's name carved into rock walls in places that I was running and hiking. His name was Clyde Whiskers. And I started to see it so much that I was, I just was like, who is this guy? Cause it was often in places with other very historic inscriptions or like very significant places. And, and I started asking around like local historians and researchers and no one really knew. And I finally got down to two guys, both were historians who had like vague ideas of who he was. And one guy had met him, but he had kind of flown off the radar. And so I pretty much devoted the whole summer to figure out who this Clyde Whiskers guy was. But in the process, I learned all about the San Juan Southern Paiute tribe who had basically effectively lost their tribal land to the Navajo and been terminated as a tribe and only reinstated by the U S government, like in 1989. So this fascinating history came to me through following this guy's basically footsteps, hiking around in all the same places. Long story short, I ended up leaving a handwritten note for him out on the res, and he called me in an hour. And we we linked up, and I got to meet this man. He's 78 years old right now, and he told me all about his hiking and his climbing exploits. I mean, this guy was an endurance athlete, you know, and, and all the places that he had been hiking in, I was hiking in too. And so we like, he like looked at me and he's like, I've been everywhere. And so have you. And it was, it was just really cool to connect with someone who is much older, whose life is from completely different place than mine. And yet we've both like kind of had the shared experience of like, you know, this, this endurance sport of hiking all over the landscape. Uh, can I have the film rights to that? That would be like, that's definitely one I would consider. (laughs) Can I, can I just have the Morgan Shogren film rights? I think, I think you're in this perfect place right now where it's like, there's so much fascinating with through hiking. There's now this growing, uh, you know, interest in living and experiencing things and also running and staying healthier and eating healthier have Mm -hmm. all kind of taken to the forefront and you're like right smack in the middle of it. And I can see why you just, you keep putting out, you know, great books and I can see, you know, only 
more amazing work coming out of you. Um, oh, thanks. So what, what races, uh, do you like the idea of even signing up for a race anymore? Like, would you <laughs> show up to the North Face 50 and run uh, in, Califor- in California? Even, you know, they have a bunch of different distances. Um, or is that just like way, like way too much and you'd rather, um, you know, go check out cave paintings and study study stuff kind of, you know, that hasn't been explored yet. Yeah. I mean, on the immediate answer, there's two, like the North Face 50 is actually one that I've always kind of had on my radar. And like, while I love the idea of jumping into things and I've done it in the past, I kind of know realistically where I'm at. And it's just, that's just not what I want to do to my body. (laughs) And yeah, I am just like way more intrigued by um, these kind of, mysteries and and missions that kind of push a more adventurous envelope and exploration um, for myself. But I I have thought, you know, I did like I was out running with my boyfriend, Steve, and we were talking about just different like objectives. And, you know, I think I'm interested in the next year to sign up for maybe some low key races out in the Southwest, um, just to connect with other runners and kind of push myself. Um, I don't know how serious I would take them, but like Canyon to Shea, um, 50k is one that's always been on my radar and would be just such an incredible experience. So things like that, like really honing in on like, you know, is it unique? And, um, I, you know, I've tried the long distance thing and I have a lot of endurance, um, and I, I can push myself for days on end, but as far as the really high intensity racing or you and I are probably complete opposite. I mean, I am such a 5k, like, you know, belt it out, get it done kind of athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the longer stuff really takes it out of me. That's, that's the reality of things. So, um, Moab's beautiful. I, I don't know if there's cave paintings. <laughs> you might hallucinate some cave paintings. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would definitely try some longer stuff, but it's definitely, it's one of those things I can't just be so willy nilly about it. Cause it just, it kind of wrecks me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can get hurt too, obviously you wouldn't want that. Um, I just get really tired and I tend to get sick. So I'm very careful. Like I was very nervous about even like throwing myself into that marathon. Um, because that's, that's the risk I run. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. Um, and you were pretty competitive, like just a few years ago. So it's fascinating to see that you're finding happiness in other avenues, like, and you're still doing somewhat like endurance type work. I mean, you're out there all day a lot of times, oh, yeah. I'm sure. Um, mm-hmm. That's really cool. And so uh, I'm trying, I, I had a question in my head. This is what I get for being off the cuff and not writing questions okay. down. No, it's all good. Um, what What's your favorite uh, Sufferfest beer at this point? Have you had Head Start? Have you tried that one? Or I have. I have not. Okay, I've just had one, so I feel lucky I got one. Oh, man. Yeah, I haven't gotten it yet, but that might be my fault, boys, being off in the boondocks. I think <laughs> I like the repeat Kolsch yeah. the best. It's just a good good desert beer, low alcohol, um, tasty, light. That's my favorite. Good for post-anthropological <laughs> trail hikes. <laughs> 
most nerdy creative. I mean, I still run a lot, like you said. You know, it's, it's a lot of endurance. It's just I know. totally. I'm, gi- I'm giving you crap. It's like, I'm giving you crap. Oh yeah, Sorry. but it's like, whoa! I just I just ran around for four hours looking for one little picture on the side of a cave. Like that's so. That's such that, a that's cool. What gets me. It's still four hours. That's such a cool combination. I, I mean, seriously, like. I feel like part of me, that's kind of why I started running was to get out and take a picture. So I actually really relate to what you're doing. It's just a little different, obviously. Um, Right. And I think, I think a lot of people do. And, you know, that was for me when I was in the super rigid competitive world of track. And then even when for my short stint in competitive trail running, there was just something missing and it was really a more creative component. And once I've been able to kind of fuse those two worlds, I've really enjoyed everything. And, you know, when I was a kid, my running was so much more, even though I raced, I was so creative about it. And I just go off into the hills and use my imagination and getting back to that sort of thing has been so amazing. And, you know, so even if you are racing, I definitely encourage other runners to think about, ways that can bring more creativity and imagination to their training and racing because it's, it's so enjoyable. So you have, you have a cookbook essentially, right? Um, mm-hmm. what, I mean, can you tease the listener at like a recipe that you really enjoy? And by the way, when I called her, she, she answered today for the listener's background. Um, you were just finishing up a burrito. So that's, that seems to be a staple of yours for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but do you have like a single recipe like to tease or, I mean. Yeah, so like one of my favorites, this is not a burrito, um, but I was out in the San Juan Mountains of Colorado a couple years ago with some friends and we were camped out and we didn't really have a ton of stuff to make for breakfast before our run. So I just like looked through our hodgepodge of items um, and I found stuff to make chilaquiles, which is like a Mexican like bre- breakfast staple, but we made it out of tortilla chips and leftover salsa, eggs, and cheese. Um, but it's, it's an incredible, like super easy, you know, you get to that bottom of your tortilla chip bag and you have some salsa and some eggs and you can whip it up and um, kind of fry it up together in a pan. And it just makes for a nice like variety on like huevos rancheros or like having another like just eggs and toast um so a lot of the recipes and outlandish are things like that like well this is all i have but look you could it's not like a lost cause you could turn it into this meal that can fuel you to go run up the mountains that's interesting i'm assuming it's um a, a lot of it is influenced by the geographic kind of region you're within right now or are these mm-hmm. recipes from all over the world? Um, there's one story and recipe from Mexico, but I actually, I still consider that to be sort of this Southwest region. It really all bleeds together. Um, you know, it ranges, I grew up in Southern California, so some of the recipes are like childhood favorites, but it's definitely got a, a Southwest uh, Cali, Mexico flair. Nice. The recipes. So yeah. where do you dream of traveling? Do you have like a a specific mm. like place or two that you haven't been where you're like, oh my gosh, like one day I'm going there? Yes, I really want to go across the outback of Australia. I really want I want to see all the really remote wild desert places and the Indian Ocean. That's that's probably the, the big one on my list right now. 
Um, what is it with you in, I, in sand? I'm trying. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, I just is love it the color, I love the, the texture. The co- it is beautiful. <laughs> um, there's something about the desert that's so quiet and sparse. Um, and yet it's full of life, but you have to be kind of open to listening and observing it. It's not in your face. Um, and, and even your own actions to stay alive require you to listen and be careful and move slowly and really, you know, connect with the landscape. And then you can find a lot of, you know, you can find water, you can find plants that are edible, you can find wildlife. And at first you're just looking and it looks like just totally, you know, blank and barren, but they're not, they're not that way. That's interesting. What, and sorry if these are somewhat random, but what have you yeah. what have you found out the most about yourself over the last I don't know how long it's been since we've talked on the podcast, but has it been like one or two kind of like self discoveries? Yeah, man. I mean, probably more than that. I mean, I would definitely say that this is this period of my life has probably been some of the most like self discovery I've ever had. Um, because I, I, the main thing is I took the time to do that. I realized I had been, you know, just kind of going through the motions, even though I was pushing myself and I really needed to see like what I needed for this next phase, you know, m- moving forward with my life after some pretty big changes. Um, but I've definitely realized that I'm super adaptable. Um, you know, you, you take the, cert- the ingredients from the situation, whether it's literally food or what you have in front of you and you make the best of it and find a way to, find a solution to get through it. Um, that's probably been one of my biggest realizations. Um, and yeah, the other one is just how important it is to surround yourself with positive, loving people, um, who are also focused on like being grateful and are positive and are loving and really embrace the moment. Um, because the people you surround yourself with have a huge impact in how you feel, um, and, and that includes, you know, it's good to spend time alone, but it's really important to have great people around you. That's awesome. I, I've definitely seen that, you know, from some of the uh, most amazing people in the whole world, honestly, have said very similar things. That's fascinating. Um, it's really true. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. <laughs> so I was going to end with, um, this sounds kind of weird, but I reached out to you and I asked because I'm I'm putting together a Halloween episode for some reason. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for the past three seasons, I've thought about this, and finally, I remembered. Um, like, have you ever had a ghost encounter or like a creepy trail encounter? I, I mean, I've definitely had things where I thought I heard something in the bushes, but probably the creepiest thing, it's like, where does it cross the line from like creepy to being like, I mean, because if you think someone's following you on a trail, that's not creepy. That's like downright terrifying and like yeah. not really even Halloween. But I did have a mountain lion stalk me once when I was living in Mammoth um, and it growled. It, it did its like roar and all the hair on one side of my body stood up and I got like hot on that side. So I knew where it was. Weird. And then I like made myself really big and like loud, like made loud, like screams. And then I was like, I was in an area where the only way to get, like, I had to just turn around and kind of go back the way the mountain line might've been. Um, and so I sprinted like hell. Good thing. I was like less than a mile from my car. But yeah, that was definitely one of the scariest runs I've ever had. Explain how your hair on one side of your body went up. That's that fascinating. Was, I, that's what I mean. Like a very like, fascinating, like, 
instinct reaction that there's danger. That's so, how I knew. So it, it went up on one side of your body and not the other? Yeah. It was like super tingly and like it's just really hard to explain. I've never had it happen again. Um, yeah. Wow. Well, glad you made it out of that one. Um, yeah, I mean, me too. And then where where were those areas that you kept running through that sounded like Halloween horror stories? Yeah. <laughs> what was that about? So I spent last year, um, pretty much the majority of last year in Grand Staircase Escalante, um, running and hiking for the guidebook I was writing. And it's kind of, it, it just was ridiculous to me that nearly the name of almost every canyon or mesa or route is pretty morbid and scary. So we're talking... Um, Death Hollow, Little Death Hollow, Micro Death Hollow, Wolverine Canyon, Devil's Garden, Witch's Garden, Devil's Backbone. Um, gosh, just really. <laughs> and then there, there's like a canyon where a car drove off the road and this old truck is literally stuck between these slot canyon walls. Um, that's kind of a, a creepy canyon to run through. So yeah, just lots of really like dark, morbid names, Scorpion Gulch and that type of thing. Very and Halloweeny. I, de- I recommend is... a trip, a trip to Grand Staircase for a Halloween run. <laughs> That's actually that would be kind of a cool like combined mm-hmm. a few um, into some kind of Halloween phrase or something. That'd be cool. Um, yeah, run them, carry Halloween candy. It'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um. Last question, and this is all just fascinating stuff. I could probably talk to you on one-off mm-hmm. questions all day. Um, have you hallucinated, like, while you're out there, like, you run out of water or something, you hike too far, you're, you know, deep in your academic kind of thought process, and you find <laughs> yourself, like, just way out there and, like... Have you had close calls? Have you hallucinated out in the desert? Like, I just think it's fascinating. Or have you been very measured and, and you know, gotten through everything? I mean, I've hallucinated when I've taken mushrooms and gone running. Or <laughs> 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 gone hiking. Um, you know, in all fairness, I haven't had, like, any, like, hallucinatory, like, experiences with what I'm doing. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily calculated or measured, although I'm getting better about that. Um, there was a period where I was just like chronically running out of water and food on missions and just poor planning. And I'm way more careful now. Um, but, you know, I'm also like, I'm like the type where like, if I start getting tired, I don't really just, I'm, it's not a race. I don't push through it. Like I'll be like, I need to take a nap and I'll just stop and take a nap. Yeah. Well, that's key. I mean, yeah, I think you nailed that one. Well, yeah, so I, you know, I just I eat and drink and I sleep when I need to. And I, man, I'd love to talk to you about hallucinating while you're running, but I have a feeling I have to run a couple hundred more miles than I go. I, it's I don't even think it's the running aspect. Like you, you nailed it. <laughs> it's the sleep aspect. So yeah, and I'm pretty. I can't. I I don't think I could run through the night. I I'm a big sleeper, so. It's weird. I mean, it's definitely a low and like, there's these weird aspects where like, like Moab 240 for me, the temperature got really cold. So it made me tired. I I don't know exactly like the science, but, um, yeah, I've nailed like how to do a seven minute 
reset nap and it like legit energizes you for like four or five hours. Um, it's totally true. And yeah, there's, there's so many cool things, but yeah, I think, um, when it comes down to it, I didn't hallucinate at Moab 240 this year, but last year's a different story. And I think just the amount of sleep I got, um, had to have made a difference because in terms of running, I actually worked harder this year. Yeah. So it wasn't like the effort level. The temperature was a little cooler. So maybe my hydration, I don't know. I think my hydration was probably a little more off this year than it was last year. So yeah, all I can figure out so far is like sleep is. I think sleep would be a big correlation. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for, um, you know, taking all your time. Where can people follow you on social media? Still at running bum. I'm still a running bum, just running different for different things these days. Yeah. Um, and also on my website, the Cool. Definitely. Um, check out Morgan's books. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to those and just excited to awesome. see what adventures you have coming up and, you know, most importantly, when, when you're available to film. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, joking awesome. with you. But have fun out there. Thanks. It's good to catch up with you. Thanks for doing this. Yeah. And that was episode 112. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Big thank you again to Morgan for taking so much time. Definitely check out her work. She's just a super talented writer. Um, All around just badass. Ultra runner, ultra explorer. uh, Fun person to be around. So, And thank you to Laurel for sharing her ghost story want to just try something different there i have never heard a running podcast talk ghost stories so wanted to just try it um email me let me know what you think training for ultra at gmail.com and yeah guys have a great week of training i know the weather here in colorado has shifted around but make the most of it don't make excuses get out there big thank you to the show sponsors hammer nutrition Sufferfest beer exo skin ultimate direction destination trail thank you guys have a great week enjoy your training